Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Scott. I'm Andrew. And this podcast is dedicated to providing the meaningful support you need to find a great career faster. We are coming to you from the beautiful Pacific Northwest, right in the city of Portland, Oregon. Today on Job Seekers Radio, we're going to talk about coping with job loss. When you lose your job, it is, it's tough. It's, it, a, it's really a grieving process. It is. Even if you know it's coming, it is not easy to deal with. There are all sorts of things that are going to be running through your mind. What am I going to do next? Am I going to, how long is it going to take me to find a job? How much do I really need a job? Am I going to be able to pay my bills? And it's really easy to spin out of control. For those of us who overthink, that can be a real burden. Uh, there's a lot to process. What's really important in these situations is that you give yourself time to process. I have seen a kaleidoscope in my times. I've coached over 1,400 people, and I can't tell you how diverse the response is to a job loss. Yeah. One of the things that you need to be aware of as you're talking to somebody who has experienced a job loss is that no two people will experience this the same way. Every experience is individual. When we lose our job, in essence, we lose a part of our identity, uh, whether that's how we identify as being an employee of the company or in this role. It could be that I, uh, an aspect of my identity as the breadwinner in the house is now quickly changed. And it's a lot to deal with. It is. It's a lot to process. And I think back through my career and I think of all the jobs that I had and how I identified myself as a title in a company. And once that's gone, it's like somebody pulled a rug out from under me. Yeah. It's so funny because when I was working uh, for a company and I went over to another company doing the same thing, I can't I remember actually answering the phone with the same name and company as I used to work for. Yep. You but would I'd, not be the first. Yeah. You're not alone. <laughs> so but, uh, so the, the idea here is let's make our identity something more than the title at the company. Yeah. That's well, one of the ways that I was able to cope with job loss for me. Ultimately, we are more than our job title. And I'm sure you've all heard this before. I'm not my job. I'm not the tasks that I perform. I offer certain things to the organization or to my team uh, that you can't get anywhere else. Yes, you can have other people doing my job, but it's not going to be the same. And as a result, we, we create these identities based on the relationships we have at work. As we look at this, uh, they talk about in um, conflict management, they talk about aspects of your identity that are threatened or undermined create conflict. Mm -hmm. So when that is, and conflict is an internal emotion uh, or process, when that's happening because of somebody else's actions, all sorts of other emotions get laid on top of this. So it's really important that we start to redefine our relationship with our work, our relationship with the, the people that we work with or work for, or even how we define our role within our families. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, our work family, there's a reason why we call it that. These are people that we see day in, day out. When we lose the job, we don't have that same kind of interaction. And now I have to redefine my relationship with my now former coworkers. Mm -hmm. This is a lot to deal with. It's really vital to your own mental health that you give yourself time to process it, to allow the grieving to happen. Yes, you want it to go quickly, but again, this is 
how quickly you need to deal with it. And it's good. And it's interesting you put it that way. What popped into my mind as you were speaking is this idea of people have PTSD when they come back from the war. Um, so that's also kind of a, a grieving process. Mm-hmm. What they found is a lot of these folks didn't have, a lot of these veterans didn't have PTSD. What they had was survivor's guilt. Mm -hmm. And so just because you're separated from a company and you're grieving, think about the people that you just left that are are looking around going, why did I not get selected? Or this person was more qualified than me. Why am I still here? And so make the people that you used to work with part of your grieving process. It's okay. You may not be working with them and you may be redefining that relationship, but sometimes leaning into those people and depending on them to help you through the process isn't a bad strategy. I still have friends today that I used to work with at companies that either fired me or let me go. And and that's just part of life. These things just happen. It's true for myself. It's true for all of us. We will continue to have relationships. We just need to redefine them. What this does is it creates a sense of resilience. As I have gone through this, I I, I keep coming back to the definition of success. So many years ago, it it, it was Mary Pickford that, that said it. Failure is not the falling down. It's the staying down. If you just get up, whatever that looks like, it doesn't, nobody is judging it but you. Uh, Although I suppose you might have a spouse who's sort of helping you along. But the idea is you need to determine what does this failure look like and what is the message? What is the lesson that I can learn here? When we can stand back up and we can take the next step forward, we are practicing resilience. Those who are more resilient than others are the ones that continue to succeed, whatever that success looks like. So your process, let's talk about that for a moment, because we've been through a lot of these transitions personally, and we've actually coached other people through these transitions. So from from your perspective, Scott, what was the process that you went through in terms of coping with the losses that you've had? Well, I've I've alluded to it. Um, The the first thing that was important to me is giving myself permission to just be. I don't have to be eight hours a day, five days a week, doing anything specific. I am not required to spend eight hours a day. If I can, that's great. And they talk about uh, looking for a job is a full-time job. Well, even when you have a full-time job, you have days off, you have uh, sick days, uh, or at least you have the ability to take that time off. Give yourself permission to do that. If the only thing I can do today is my online search, then that's okay. If I can instead make good use of the time when I have that ability, I can grow that period more and more each day because I build my confidence. I find out that, hey, it didn't kill me. You know, whatever that looks like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing better. And I try to make the next day, just like in my workout, okay, so I'm lifting this amount of weight today. I'm going to try and up that by two and a half pounds or five pounds next time so that I'm always progressing. It's the same in a job search. When I went through transition back in 2001, it seems so long ago, (laughs) but to me, it seems like yesterday. One of the things that I had to 
understand and at least force myself to do was continue to keep a schedule. If I didn't get up at a certain time every day and I didn't have routine to a certain extent, even if I got up and did nothing, at least I got up at the same time and I felt good about myself. Uh, the other thing that I found really helpful is scheduling time to get exercise, whether that's at the gym, going for a walk, working out, something to really release that anxiety and that stress is really, uh, was really therapeutic for me in that process. And then allowing some margin, just some time yeah. off, just a break, um, because this can be a grind. It honestly. is a grind. Well, and, and what broke that grind for me was when I started moderating or at least participating in the job seekers groups. It gave me a purpose for going somewhere that day. I had other people to talk about and other people to consider. I wasn't spending the whole day worried about my issues. When you have the ability to volunteer, it gives you something bigger than you to work on and it can take you out of your own head so that when you come back to your job search, you're actually fresh for it. So what you're saying is we really need to define a new reality. We need, we need to decide, okay, I'm no longer at that company now. And the quicker you can get to that realization, I think the better. It doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to be deliberate just so long as you get there. And the idea here is we're looking just to have an opportunity to get an interview. The desired outcome, whether it's getting a, to a networking event or uh, some kind of conversation, a coffee um, conversation, a job interview, hopefully a job offer. These are all different things that we want to have happen. Obviously, getting the job is the ultimate. But we, if we give ourselves the ability then to reach out and, and have different uh, definitions of success, we're actually moving forward. The ability to create that new reality is it starts with being open to finding something new. So if I have completely created my reality around my job or the, the the tasks that I do, whatever that looks like, and that gets pulled out. Okay, how do I redefine that? Well, be open to new ideas, new new settings, new jobs, if you will. I have a new title. My title is job seeker. Absolutely. And as a job seeker, I have certain tools that I need to have in my kit, right? Uh, like a resume communication skills for networking and interview. There's lots of things here to think about as a job seeker. The tools have changed. So many times changed from when you were working. So over here, you're working, you had all these different skills you needed to use. Now I'm coming over here as a job seeker and there's a series of skills I need to develop. Well, and how many people have we talked to over the years who say that when they got the last job that they had, they stopped networking? And so now they're rusty? And the lesson that people seem to talk about the most here is I'm never going to stop networking. When you allow those muscles to uh, atrophy, it's harder to get back into the game. One of the coping mechanisms then is to speak to people. Isolating yourself in a lot of ways is going to extend your job mm -hmm. search. By meeting people, you get used to talking about things. And right. that way you perform better in an interview. Uh, being around people, you get energy. Because hopefully. There, there's, well, hopefully you get something. This is why yeah. I think a lot of people like to go to job fairs because they, they have a two birds, one stone mentality. I get a chance to talk to somebody potentially about employment. 
I get to meet people. This gets me out in the community. And when they come home, even though something may not have happened at that job fair, they feel good. Sure. Anybody who's an extrovert or who gets energy in social settings is going to benefit from this. The other side of that, though, is what happens if you're the type that has social anxiety or that you uh, are introverted? You, it, it, it takes effort to be social or to go to these things. How do you, as an introvert, regenerate or, or get charged up by getting into a setting that really takes you out of your comfort zone? Those that I've spoken with, they're friends of mine who are not comfortable in social settings, who do not like networking events in the larger scale. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, they're okay. What they talk to me about is to approach these larger events as opportunities to find that one-on-one -on -one conversation where you can go off on the side, you're not in the middle of the crowd, you're not in the, the noise, and you find ways to either connect Maybe I, I'm thinking of one friend of mine who says he has goal to meet one person that they can or that he can schedule another meeting with so that he can feel like this is a successful event. He does not have to be there very long. He's not out of his comfort zone for two hours in the evening when he'd really rather be home in front of the fire or TV or whatever. Um, he, he has a successful event because now he's going to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with somebody else. Find your way to do this. Remember that this is a grind. It's mm. not easy to do. Mm -hmm. um, some people like to make it a game. Other people make it something different each time. Um, but the idea is to find whatever works for you and to keep doing that. It just reminds me that I come from a background in sales and marketing, and I feel a lot of times that a job search is like sales, and that is really, people have approach avoidance mm -hmm. to that kind of word or right. those kind of activities. But truthfully, a resume is a brochure. An interview is a sales presentation. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap in those two uh, domains of experience that... This is why a lot of folks take a long time to get work. The, the one thing about that, while I, I agree, uh, also I've had a sales background and I, I see the analogy it works, but for those people who really are turned off by sales, there's a different way to define it. How does someone in, from your background look at how you talk to other people in other departments? How do you interact? How do you pitch your ideas within the context of what you've been doing? If you don't list that as sales, that's okay. You don't need to add a label to it. It's really more about how do I present my ideas, my expertise, my background, but most importantly, my potential. Mm. How can I communicate that so that the other person then starts thinking of me as being on the team already? Uh, I, I've said this in uh, another uh, podcast, leasing sales at uh, an apartment uh, for an apartment company. When the potential resident walks into an apartment and starts picturing where they'll put their furniture, that's actually a buying cue. They see themselves in the apartment. So that's the conversation we want to continue to have with them. Where do you think you would spend most of your time? Well, we know as leasing sales agents that the first place they go as they walk in 
is where they spend most of their time. It's what they value most. So for me, when I walk into a new home, I go to the kitchen first because that's where I spend most of my waking hours. I'm cooking, I'm, I'm doing stuff in the kitchen or when friends come over, we're eating at the kitchen table, whatever that looks like. I, that's where I always go first. And I didn't know that until I went through the training. As you're having those conversations with people where they see themselves or where they see you, I would be talking about my potential. If I'm talking to a potential uh, employer about what I would look like on his or her team, and that individual, that hiring manager starts seeing me in that light, I am now on the right path. So if you don't like sales, don't think of it as sales. Think of it as your leasing pitch, mm. or think of it as how do I influence this person to think of me before other people? And that's not being selfish, that's being smart. Redefine what sales is to you. Uh, to some people, at least in my understanding, I, early on in my sales career, I always thought, hey, I had to tell people about my great product or service. I had to show them what the product was, and I had to convince them that my product was the best product. When in reality, what they really want is someone that understands their problem. As a job seeker, look for people and ask a lot of questions to see if they have a problem that you can solve with your skills. Great point. So just turn that around. Say, hey, I'm not a salesperson, I'm a problem finder. And the, the more brief you can make this conversation, the more they will want to ask you questions to find out more about what you're offering. Mm -hmm. If you talk and talk and talk, again, coming back to the sales idea, you can actually create more objections by saying too much. Give them the information they need. Put yourself in the situation that, that they paint the picture with you in it and leave it there. Coming back to what the topic of the podcast is, and that is coping with job loss. We understand it's a grind. We gave you some ideas about networking and things you can do and the tools of the trade. I think it's important to remember that sometimes you're going to get in a rut. And all a rut is, is a grave with the ends knocked out. What I mean by that is you can get out of there. You can change your pattern by doing something different. If you're going every day and the first thing you do is check email, maybe that day you don't check the email and you just go for a walk or you go to the coffee Great shop, idea. or you just do something different. Um, maybe every day at uh, 12 o'clock, you, you know, you normally turning on the TV and watching soap operas. I don't know. Uh, but maybe you go to have lunch with a spouse or a friend. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Whatever it is, if you're in a rut and you feel like you're stuck, just change something, just one thing in your routine so that you can get moved forward. It's a great idea. And talking about going out, remember that you build relationships with people in these situations, whether it's a coffee shop, at the gym, whatever. You're building those re relationships based on how often they see you. Many times we can go to a coffee shop and not talk to a soul. But when you keep going back or you go to the gym at the same time each day or Maybe on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're going at this time. You want to get a different crowd on Tuesdays and Thursdays, whatever that looks like. If you keep going back, when people see you over and over again, you're, you become part of their lives in some fashion. They are far more likely to reach out and talk to you. And here's your opportunity to make a new connection. Seek support. I think that's yeah. what you're saying is being in community, being around people. It really takes no effort to isolate yourself. 
Right. That part's easy. What's hard is just getting up and leaving the house. Yeah. Or getting up and picking up the phone and making a conference. These are it's like moving a yeah. mountain for a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. The idea is when you're going through it with somebody else and you're in community, the likelihood of you falling into a rut or, or, or depression is a lot less. And think about the burden that you're, you're bearing here when you're unemployed, especially if you have other people relying on you. It, it is a burden. And just like anything else, the more people to carry it, the easier it is, the lighter it feels, because you're sharing the weight of it. I, I can't say enough about reaching out to people that care about you and that you care about to have them support you, to help them hold yourself accountable to yourself. It's not about being judged by these people. It's about allowing them to help you. Get the support from people who care about you. Reach out, go to the job seekers groups or any other group that gets you out of the house and doing something helpful, doing something useful, doing something that makes you feel good. And you will get through this because this time will end. You will not be unemployed forever unless you isolate yourself. Here's something to think about on top of that, and that is this idea that you need to be, I, at least in my search, I wish I was more honest with people on how I was feeling, mm -hmm. that I was feeling depressed that or I was tough. feeling isolated or I was frustrated because I was doing all these things and not getting results. And I, it would have been much better for me if I had somebody anybody really that I could just say this is how I feel and this is what I'm experiencing so that I could get um, healing yeah and that for me kind of a as a man it's kind of a hard thing to do well it, it's important all the same uh, we need to be vulnerable at times um, and and even though that takes us out of our comfort zone the more often we leave our comfort zone, the less we need a comfort zone. On the flip side, once you've been through this process, it's really important that if you see somebody else struggling, that you be that support person for them. Really if good you, point. If you see somebody that's, gosh, you know, you can just sense, like at Breakfast Club not too long ago, there was somebody come in and you could just feel the weight of burden on their body. Yeah. And it was palpable. You could feel it. I encourage you. There's a lot of people that go through this situation that go into deep depression and actually commit suicide. Mm -hmm. High probability, probably about 1%, a little less than 1% of people contemplate suicide. So if you see somebody that you know that you used to work with that got laid off and they seem to be isolating themselves and they don't talk to anybody, by all means, I would reach out to them and do what you can to be a support mechanism in their life to get them back on track. I think that's a great idea. The, um, the fact that you care enough to reach out will mean the world to them. Uh, for those of us who have dealt with those dark days and who strive to make something different and can't seem to find the way, the best feedback I ever got was from the friends who saw what was happening, who understood that I was having a tough time and didn't try to fix it. Mm -mm. They were there just to be there. And so when it's your turn to be helping someone else, just be there. Or if they call, answer. 
Absolutely. If, if they ask, even if it's a total stranger, honestly, if they ask to meet with you and you've been through this thing before, what's 15 minutes? What's right. what's 10 minutes? What's a half hour of coffee? But it can mean the world it, to them. Huge. And what, how are they going to remember you? Yeah. Wow. That one coffee, you remember that one coffee we had nine years ago? And I still remember it today, and I really appreciate what you did for me. So uh, goodwill will go a long way. Um, so just some, I mean, what was the one takeaway you think you got from this conversation? Well, uh, I, there, there are several things that I think about. Um, I think the thing that I would strive if I were to be unemployed again, which of course is always a possibility, the idea of keeping a schedule and, and then adapting it, being resilient enough to change it if it's not working, trying something new. I like trying new things. I, I handle change relatively well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's so overwhelming when it's your whole job, especially uh, if I've tied my identity to it, I try not to do that. But keeping a schedule and trying new things with it. Mm, okay. Mine would be get into community. Isolating yourself. So the big takeaway for me is get a, a wingman. And we talked about that in yeah. another episode. Um, or get in community with a group of others that are going through the same thing you are. Or some kind of support mechanism through friends and family. Absolutely. And and your version of coping with this job uh, loss is going to look different from anyone else's. It's supposed to. Um, but learn from those who have been through it before. Uh, try on the things that, they, that, that worked for them. Um, try to change up your routine and open your eyes to new potential experiences. It's an opportunity to begin again more intelligently. There you go. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. Your investment of time and attention is greatly appreciated. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to get future episodes. While you're there, would you provide us a rate and review on this podcast? And please, share. Caring is sharing. I'm Andrew. I'm Scott. Until next time, this is Job Seekers Radio. We'll see you.